0: Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez, here with my co-host, Father David Tookerhoof, TOR, and we're so excited that you're either returning um, to listen to us or joining us for the first time. And we're going to be sharing again about human and spiritual integration. That's our favorite topic, as you can tell by the title of the podcast. It's really about that blend of wholeness and holiness in our lives that brings us the peace, freedom, and joy that the Lord has for us. Particularly today, we're going to be talking about that as we see it in the life of a really beloved saint for a lot of people. And that's Saint Therese of Lisieux, and so I'm just going to turn this right over to Father David, because Father David, I know this is a topic that's near and dear to your heart.
1: Thank you, Margaret. And it is, this is true, Therese, in her whole simplicity of life, laid out her spirituality of of doing the little things with great love. And so this really opens a door for her popularity in many ways. And uh, she has influenced in the life of the church in recent years, a wonderful approach to spirituality that can really bring a deeper uh, human and spiritual integration, which is what we're concerned about. And I just want to start off with the fact that uh, uh, she lived only to the age of 24. She was 24 years old when she died w- from tuberculosis. And, uh, in her early years, it were very difficult for her. And she was basically, uh, had a mother who had a lot of psychological and emotional wounds. And so she was particularly given over to a friend who she bonded with. And then when, after a period of time, when her mother wanted her back again, what happened to her? Is that she she was felt this uh, separation anxiety because she had a deeper bonding as a as a young child with this person, the friend of the family, rather than with her and uh, her mother, and so this created problems. But before we really get into the things that uh, uh, challenged. Uh, Teresa of Lisieux. I'd just like to say that this re- the reflection comes from a, uh, a a book that I read called "The Context of Holiness." And it was written by uh, Mark Foley, OCD, and he wrote out this whole thing about how Tres herself personally had to learn how to grow up and become adult in the very four short years of her life. And so at this point, we're looking at her early years. Eventually, she was uh, given over to uh, her mom and then uh, bonding with her mom, and then her mom died when she was four years old which in a sense led it led to a, a deeper level of separation anxiety and then she started to look to her older sister to really be that for her and uh, in in her short years, uh, the family itself was deeply into spiritual uh, uh, human and spiritual growth. And they were a family in the church, living out a favor of a, a life of, I would say, Carmelite spirituality, because her sisters had already joined the the Carmel in Lisieux. And so we find Tres then uh, d- dealing with this difficulty. So she was sent to a boarding school. And, uh, she was a, just a young, young girl in the boarding school and she wasn't well received there. Some of the authors talk about her being bullied there, but she never identified and she felt that, that sort of loneliness and emptiness of not being longing and not being a part of of the the community where there was an an ease in moving into the experience of spiritual integration and human integration. And so then after she didn't make it out at the boarding school, she was returned home and went to school. And then she started her life with her family. And what happened to her was she really bonded deeply with her family in her young years, looking for that security, looking for that uh, sense of family spirituality. And their family was very faithful to living their Catholic, Catholic Christian life in in those years, in, in the years maybe right before she was basically uh, around 10 years old. And so uh, from that point on, I'm going to uh, hand this over to Margaret and ask her to give uh, any initial reflections on that. And I'll come back and talk about the, the crises, emotional crises in her life that set her up for dealing with human and spiritual integration.
0: Yeah. You know, even as you talk, Father David, I'm thinking about the insecurity. You said that her family was living um, a life of, of piety. It was a great piety. Her mom and her dad were both inclined towards that. As we know, they're both canonized saints in the church, Lewis and Zelie Martin. But, um, but she sounds like she, from the beginning, she had a lot of insecurity because of her mom's mental illness and because of, or at least emotional issues. And than um, having to actually be nursed by another woman besides her mom, and so there was a lot going on that led to to would have led to insecurity in her. And I know particularly as um, Father Mark talks about it in his book. And it just you know what it had me thinking about was Bob Schutz, Doctor Bob Schutz. Um, he does this wonderful thing. He has this image of a tree, and the roots of the tree, he has security and at the trunk of the tree has maturity and then the fruit he has purity. And I think like, yeah, that's really it. Like when we see somebody who, who has that, that tremendous sense of a security, then it leads to maturity, right? That's the trunk. And then from that we see the purity. And so it would stand to reason that with the insecurity that Therese had because of the issues going on in her family, that she would have struggled through a period of, of tremendous immaturity. Like, I know you're gonna, you know, like, talk about a bit.
1: Yeah, when she was about 10, continuing on looking at this, I, I really uh, appreciate the the reflections you have on that, Margaret. And uh, in the context of her family life, when she was about 10, nobody knows what happened to her, but she went through a real, uh, she used to be a very outgoing and loving person. And relational person, and that changed about ten. And what seems to have happened, and the book doesn't directly say this, it looks like she had so, kind of like an emotional breakdown about ten, and uh, and then she became filled with a lot of uh, deeper fears and anxiety in in her life. And so, the family context and particularly her older sisters, and they they sort of provided a buffer for dealing with that. But eventually, uh, she had to go through a conversion to really, in a sense, deal with what was going on internally in her. And this happened one at a time. Uh, this is one of the experiences that happened in her life that really was major. And what happened to her is that she came home from Midnight Mass, and she was, uh, oh, I think she was about 11 or 12 or 13, somewhere in in that area, and she came home from Midnight Mass, and what they used to do at at Christmas was everybody put their shoes out, and then they would take the, the, the gifts that everybody had and put them in their shoes, and so she came in, and the family came in preparing to do that, and what happened with Therese, is she's going upstairs to change from her midnight clothes to a more relaxing uh, uh, affair, and so what happened to her is she's going up the stairs she heard her father saying and her father wasn't aware that she could hear her she said he said oh when are we going to get over this crazy thing uh, this thing this childish thing of putting gifts in the shoes and going through it and everything else she said and and i ju- i just think that you know when is when is when is Trez going to get over this so we won't, won't really need to do this well she heard her father say that and she was crushed and she went up, she took off her clothes, the midnight mass, and put on the, the recreational attire. And she went down, and she just went through everything that, that normally she would have done, coming back again and with the whole family. But she never did it again. That was the end of that. She made a conversion, moving to some degree from childhood to adolescent need for matu- For maturity, and at the same time she went through this crisis of conversion that and, and uh, nobody has ever been really successfully able to experience this uh, this kind of mysterious sickness that she had at that uh, right in the connection with that conversion right as the basis of that conversion that this this, uh, this mysterious sickness where she was really having mental problems and emotional problems that were rather severe.
0: You know, as you're talking, I was thinking about there's a, a theorist in psychology um, named Eric Erickson, and he talks about these stages of psychosocial development. And he says when when earlier stages aren't when we struggle, when we have problems at earlier stages, then it causes problems at later stages, obviously. Right. It's kind of like building a house and there's a crack in the foundation. And so you can only build up so high before the whole thing is going to, you know, kind of tumble in or at least be pretty lopsided, like the leaning tower of Pisa or something, you know? And so I was just, you know, as you were talking, I was looking up his stages of psychosocial development and I was saying, yeah, like zero to a year and a half is where we're really kind of grappling with trust versus mistrust. And then, you know. Then as we get, you know, toddler age, we're trying to figure out, can I, can I do things on my own, you know, and, and it, and it goes on up from there. And about the age of 12, between 12 to 18, you know, where it sounds like Therese was this particular story of this, that kind of, you know, show of immaturity after midnight mass, we're kind of really trying to grapple with our identity at that point. And so it would stand to reason that, um, that she would have struggled at those later stages because of the struggle at the earlier stages. But what I find um, so hopeful is that with her, her family living a, um, a, from a, like a devout life, then um, she was able to kind of like bridge that gap, you know, so to speak like it was had the, the in the resources because of presumably because of her relationship with the Lord that she could go up and go to her room and go, I'm going to make a different choice. So she had a, there was another, there was another father. There was another parent figure in there besides, you know, her mother who had died early on and her father who had said this very painful thing. There was another parent figure who she was plugged into because of the life of faith that her family had been living. So I think that's just really hopeful because, um, you know, it's going to, what separates us from, I know, earlier you and I were just before we started recording, we were talking about secular humanism, you know, boy, it sure does fail you when that's all you have is what we're left to when we're left to our own devices as human beings, like how much more hopeful it is when we have the, our creator, the creator of all that exists, who, who's our father, who we can plug into when, because we all other than, you know, Obviously, the Lord had the perfect mother um, and, and obviously the perfect father in, the, in God. But um, but for the rest of us, we have some version of, um, you know, riding the same struggle of humanity that we all have. And yet we all have that perfect father by adoption.
1: Well, that, that well said and well put. And what came out of all of that for her is that she finally, she finally realized that she had to take more responsibility for her movement from adolescent phases to adulthood. And at just at the same time as when she felt the call that really surfaced in a major way to become a Car- Carmelite contemplative in the, in and which her sisters had gone before her. So she was already looking for something. And so she actually got permission to uh, go to Carmel early at the age of about around 15. Fifteen years old. Now, remember, she she died at twenty four, so she only spent nine years in Carmel. But when she got to Carmel, she brought her emotional weaknesses with her because even though she had made a, a major conversion in her life, she hadn't received the healing that she needed to really, in a sense, enable her. And so, when she was asked to do anything, for example, eventually after they saw how deeply she deep. Deeply be spiritual and caring that she was, naturally, but spiritually as well. They asked her to be the novice mistress, and she felt fearful and filled with anxiety, and I couldn't do—all those emotional weaknesses that came along that were never healed or transformed in her occurred. Now, now what the key is, and this is the key for Therese's life— she dealt with those things by simply turning and making choices to become an adult and to really move and do the most loving thing. And even though she had the pain of those things, she would receive the healing as she made those choices and decisions. And she ended up being a very good uh, head of, the, of the, uh, the novices that had come into the community. And she moved more into some a uh, deeper spiritual life and a deeper human integration and and she, You could see that in her, and uh, yet she still had other emotional weaknesses which she would be going to be taking to the time she passed home to the glories of heaven.
0: Yeah, I guess that's that's the nature of human and spiritual integration, right, is taking those spiritual truths and putting them into (laughs) integrating them by putting skin on them, right? And so those things that were held up as, as virtuous and heroic charity and those kind of things like actually making that really courageous and um, choice to do those things and you know, like especially even when she was dying of tuberculosis. I mean, like tremendous suffering. So it seems like that's the the hallmark of that integration is not leaving the piety and the principles of our faith in the chapel and actually putting putting skin on them in in our relationships, right? And it and it does. I think it works you know, we, we take that leap and then it works itself backwards and it begins to, you know, we, um, our, our identity is informed by the fact that we're children of God. And then I think it, um, it becomes, you know, we become conformed to that as we make that choice. And then it, um, then it kind of reforms like who we are and how we see ourselves on a, on a level that really brings that healing to like the core of the person.
1: Well when you see in Trez's life the transition that she goes from personal conversion to relational conversions right. and making choices in love in grace by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's love to overcome those things as she became successful as the uh, head of the novices and moved to other things it was probably right after that that she started you know now the uh, places, the monasteries in those days, heating was not an issue. It was you endure the cold, and she had a weakened condition. She was not a really strongly biologically uh, person that could endure a lot of things. She started coughing, and then in her coughing got worse and worse, and then finally it was uh, that she started to cough up blood and then they realized that there was something wrong, that, that she was really sick and they had diagnosed her as having tuberculosis. And so she had that struggle for a number of years now. She's now, you know, she's now probably in i would say around somewhere between 1819 and 21 somewhere in that area there and she was really seen as being very special to others she had a lot of uh, deep wisdom about human uh, human human integration and human and spiritual integration and yet she got weaker and weaker and, and and uh, was bedridden at times, and they, you know they didn 't have the the stuff that we had to do with that and so it was a matter of really helping to deal with the pain but it, it, knowing it at the end is near for this this woman who was such a loving and beautiful uh, young uh, Carmelite woman and In one experience, there was a sister in the community that uh, was really hard to deal with. She would really strike out at you, Alta and everything else. And she was given charge of uh, of the laundry. And nobody in the community wanted to uh, work with her or be there present. And seeing here now was where, uh, is where Therese had become proficient in making human choices of love Against the feelings of fear, inadequacy, uh, loneliness, uh, uh, not being accepted, being hurt by others, and resentments of others, and things like that, she, went, woe, she, you went against those things, and in grace, as she made choices to love from the mo- movements of God's love within her soul, because she was deepening in that. She volunteered to go in while she was started. Had already coughing up blood. She volunteered to go in to the laundry and help this sister. So we see the transition from even adolescent years and some of the hurts and wounds that she chose the gifts of divine love and human human maturity and as well as spiritual maturity in these decisions. It's probably the one of the hidden reasons it's made her the great and popular saint that she is today.
0: Yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking about another book that I had read. I'm trying to think of the tie. I might get this wrong, but maybe you're familiar with it. The, is it the way of imperfection? That's about Therese. Also, I, it's, it's, it's written by a priest. I'm going to try to look it up real quickly here while we're talking. But, um, It's based on her spirituality, and I think what was so striking to me um, in that book was really, um, I'd say, probably really like the truest sense—oh, yeah, here we go. The Way of Imperfection, Holiness for the Poor by Andre—oh, mercy— Degnault or something degnal it's it looks like a French last name which is very fitting for Therese right but um it's a very small little paperback book um but it's it's amazing and it's just um it fleshes out her little way and but you can see like the I would say like a central organizing like idea behind that I mean obviously littleness but 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 God's greatness and his greatness, particularly um, in a loving, compassionate, fatherly way, to our littleness, and so it's so it's a, a, a total reliance on him and his goodness and his love, and um, so I was, I was just thinking about that, like how that's like if that's the foundation, which I think it really has to be the foundation, then then anything becomes possible because we're not giving of our own love. We just instead become conduits in relation to others where the, where the Lord's love we're, we're receiving it because um, because we're empty of ourselves, And so we have capacity to receive it, right? We can, we can be like the straw or the hose or the pipe or whatever. So we just receive it and it's able to flow through us to others, you know? So I just, that's a fantastic little book but I think it's a great if anybody listening really has a devotion to Therese it can plug you into just some um some really like simple and yet um like really profound like different different ways of seeing that that same concept and being able to um yeah it's so I think it's very freeing because it's not about me it's not about um like constructing my own holiness. It's not about um, working on virtue, like where it's, where I'm the architect of that and I have to, you know, it's really just surrendering to the Lord's love and in receiving that, it just, it changes everything, you know.
1: I'm glad that you bring that up, you know, because you can see in the last years of Teresa's life the the impact and the influence and the experience of divine intimacy it was there in her life and the stronger her sufferings became and they did become stronger because she was actually dying and the stronger that god never lets a person out on a limb and saws it off he he is always there in our human struggles with that inner experience of grace that we would call theologically consolations, but it's a continual presence that allows a person to make the choices of uh, human uh, uh, human maturity, human u- human and spiritual integration. And she made those. One author talks about the temptations to suicide that she experienced and how so she was in so much pain because you know the, the the methods that they were using cut some of the pain, but she was continually in so much pain. But the Lord's inner, inner experience of the divine intimacy never left her, but it just kept increasing and increasing and increasing until finally as she uh, made the choices to take the next step and to embrace the next thing in trust in God's loving presence. And we would not let her. She just had such a beautiful understanding of the father's love for her as a person and as a spiritual being that was becoming a saint in her little way. And so when she passed from this life at the age of 24, just simply she was in Carmel for nine years, that she she had made the choices of sacrificing her life. And God's love, knowing her, valuing her, she was filled with thanksgiving and filled with the union of offering herself as a sacrificial victim of love for those that she loved and for the Lord. Drawing, uh, she, in a sense, deepening in that union of the crucified love and in the gift of mercy.
0: That's also, it's so good and it's so hopeful and it's so good that, um, that that's what the Lord desires to work in each one of us because we're all called to, to, to holiness, right? The father or father, (laughs) Dr. Bob shoots that image complete, you know, becomes completed. We see in the life of Therese as, as she was transformed to a place of security in her relationship in the Lord. And then that um, that really sturdy maturity. If we go back to the image of a tree, then, then obviously the things that you've discussed, we can see the fruit of purity in her life. Not just, pure, not just, you know, sexual purity. I think that a lot of times is what comes to people's mind when we use the term purity, but just the purity of love, right? That she was able to live out of even with people who, um, would on a natural level, just aggravate somebody to no end, you know? So, um, I, I think that, um, that these things are just, um, are fantastic for all of us to reflect on. And, um, it's so great that the church holds up saints for us. it's all, everybody needs heroes and the, and the example of the life of Therese, you know, I'm sure as you know, I've experienced in my own life when we're in those times of, of, um, (laughs) suffering, it can think, you know, I'm always tempted to think like, Lord, how in the world is this glorifying you? Can't you just like remove this so I can really, you know, be effective and do a lot more for you. But then you look back at Teresa's life and like how many, you know, (laughs) decades and decades and decades later, she's, she's still having such an amazing effect, even as a doctor of the church. So we thank you for joining us today, and we ask you to, um, to like and share this podcast if it's been helpful to you, and we want to let you know how you can get connected to Father David and I. Um, we both have books available on Amazon. His book is Evangelizing Catholic Culture, and mine are More Than Words, The Freedom to Thrive After Trauma and Fearless, Abundant Life Through Infinite Love. Um, particularly, um, we're really excited about a healing retreat that we're going to be giving at the end of this month. Um, this is September of 2022 and this retreat is going to be, um, in Toronto, Ohio, Toronto, Ohio. It's really close by Steubenville, Ohio, and it's September 26th through the 30th. It's called His Heart Heals. And so we're really going to be digging into, um, to receiving the healing from, the heart of the Lord for each one of us and really happy to be doing that and so in order to get connected to that um, check out our website sacredhearthealingministries.com you can register for the retreat right there on the website and we'd be delighted to have you join us so thank you for, um, for listening to us and we just ask you to hold this retreat in your prayers and know that we're praying for all of you as well May the Lord give you peace. Thank you for joining me for today's show. Please subscribe and share and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media. And to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to sacredhearthealingministries.com.